Welcome everyone to SaaScast, the podcast that talks you through the steps you need to future-proof your product, whether that's building the ultimate marketing team or taking your products global. Our guests will help you grow, scale up, and work smarter. Hi, David. Thanks very much for coming on SaaScast today. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I think it's going to be a, uh, an interesting conversation. Yeah, definitely. I think our our, um, our audience is definitely going to benefit from this conversation, I think. Um, so today we're talking specifically about um, tech stacks in SaaS and how they might evolve yes. over, the next, over the coming years. Indeed. But I just think we'd we'd love to start this conversation. Our, our viewers often and listeners often listen love to just delve a little bit into our guest's background a bit. So I wonder if you could just introduce yourself, um, what your journey has been to your current position and what it is about the kind of tech space maybe that kind of fills you with excitement. Uh, sure. Uh, so my name's uh, David Hull. Um, currently, I'm the uh, editor-in-chief at uh, silicon.co.uk. Um, my, my, I guess my journey in tech, um, well, it's decades long, I guess. Um, I mean, I call myself a sort of journalist, but I guess these days it's journalism and copywriting. Uh, it's also uh, you're creating uh, more diff- you know, different kinds of content, particularly audio, uh, like like this uh, this podcast, uh, for instance. Um, I got into tech um, I, well, mid-80s. Um, I saw my first piece to a, to a, um, one of the burgeoning uh, sort of uh, uh, personal computer magazines, probably about 84, 85 or thereabouts um and so that's that's how i got kind of got started i always wanted to write i always wanted to get into into that tech was always always an interest you know anything with the plug in it and something nice and shiny um was a massive uh, uh, draw for me but i also wanted to write so i wondered could i could i connect the two things together could i uh, sort of explore my interest in tech as uh, so the so the personal computer market had just got going uh, then you know apple was just there the macintosh had just come out 84 um there was lots and lots of startups with uh, you know, different kinds of, of personal computers you know c64s uh jaguars out of uh, atari and so on you know there was a this hotbed of of new sort of personal computing you know that phrase which we we sort of learned in the mid 80s so I wanted to do something in that. What what could I do? I wasn't really into programming. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I can program stuff. Uh, I think I'm fluent in HTML as you would these days. Uh, that kind of, but I didn't really want to get into coding per se. I was more interested in exploring, I guess, the technology for how, how it sort of interfaces with people, how you use it, what do you use it for, um, mm-hmm. that that kind of thing. Um, and um, someone said, "Well, journalism could connect that because you could then write about the subject which you're uh, which you're interested in." And well, that was nearly forty years ago. Now uh, I've been writing uh, sort of ever since. Um, mostly it's uh, it's for uh, you know technology publications, uh, you know print magazines, websites. Etc. Um, and anything in between. Uh, I do lots of different kinds of writing. Everything from uh, uh, maybe a, a review of something for a, for a uh, website, all the way through to fairly large reports for for certain uh, certain tech clients. It's always tech. It's always B two B. I did start off in the B two C space, but now it's B two B pretty much exclusively. Um, that's kind of who I uh, who I, uh, I write for. So my current post, I'd started writing it for Silicon as a, a contributor maybe a couple of years ago, and uh, they asked me to sort of move into the, the editor's chair maybe a year ago or thereabouts. Uh, so I've been doing that uh, probably for, for the last year or so, just looking after the content for the site. Also, how we can ex- explore different kinds of content uh, in, in tech and B2B for you know, for Silicon as a brand. Um, Silicon uh, is uh, just one website of, of NetMedia International. Uh, they have a presence in uh, pretty much all of the European uh, countries. And I look after the uh, the UK, uh, the UK on. 
That's really great to hear. So you have such a unique historical perspective on this then, have, having sort of garnered this interest in in um, in the 80s, as far back as then. I um, think I was probably one of the first in line for the first dial-up modem. I think I, I'm pretty sure wow. I was one of the first people who spent, what wow. was it? Four five hundred quid on one of these things back in the wow. back in the eighties, uh, just to get a dial up modem. Um, pretty sure I was one of the first ones to explore this new thing called the internet. What's that? Um, and here we are, you know, literally decades uh, decades later, uh, you know, doing uh, these kinds of uh, podcasts of uh, of uh, of the internet. Um, but yeah. I'm pretty sure I was one of the early early buyers of one of those just to get online um, at ridiculous cost and very very slow. You know, it'd take what an hour to download what two minutes of video back then uh, or thereabouts uh, that kind of thing. But uh, it, it's it's been an interesting one um, seeing how things have massively changed over the last sort of three or four decades can i ask um when you were sort of getting into this this back then or, or sort of getting interested in tech and writing about it how has the reality of the way it's evolved matched up with what your predictions would have been back then I always knew technology was going to move forward massively. Um, I could see that in the personal computer space. Uh, when the Macintosh came out, that yeah. was kind of your, a yardstick. Then suddenly, um, computing wasn't mainframes anymore. It wasn't some huge box in some office somewhere yeah. um, or a data center. That's it, it was something that you and I could uh, could get our hands on and use. Because yeah. I was never into games. Gaming is a kind of closed book to me. Um, yeah. When I had my uh, first sort of personal computer, I was more interested in the sort of business side. What can you do with these things? I know it's, I know, I, I know it's a bit weird that I would rather not play a game. I'd rather have a fiddle with the spreadsheets. Um, yeah. what, what, you know, um, and I really got into desktop publishing when that came out as well. Um, you know, page maker and all that because I'm really interested in print and publishing as well. Uh, you know, I had ambitions to you know start uh, start our magazines, etc. So you could all you could do that on your desktop. You know, create uh, you know print magazines and uh, you could do that. So desktop publishing was uh, was a revelation uh, for me. But I could see how those kinds of turning points in industries they they were going to be disruptive, and that's exactly what I guess personal computing was. It was disruptive in a lot of industries. Once we kind of figured out how you use this tech in certain areas publishing um any kind of uh, you know creative um you know, you know any kind of creative industry um you know look look at what's, look what's happened with photoshop look what's happened with canva uh, how that's put these kinds of tools in, in your in your hands uh, you know you if you if you have uh, if you have the uh, the skills um so that's kind of how i saw saw tech moving forward it was always going to be a, a massive evolution but i could see it was really going to put tech in your and I's hands, because this is before mobile phones. Don't forget, you yeah. know, mobiles didn't did not exist when I when I was uh, starting to, to write about these mobile phones. It, it, you can do that. Yeah, we had to go to a phone box to, to make a call. You know, and that sounds sounds alien to anybody under twenty five. I they, just like, you know, David, I just said to somebody the other day, I was in the car with my parents, and I said to them, "Do you know what? I've never used a payphone." And they both uh, they both burst out laughing. They couldn't they couldn't believe it. Yeah. But it's yeah, just that's, it's a generation thing, isn't it? You know, it's it's one of those things. Generation grew up with mobile phones, and it, it you just never known any different. You know, no, and th that's always the case. I think, uh, and, and technology, of course, it, it's also cyclical. It comes round, and yeah. we're seeing that again. 
um, you know, we're going back to uh, uh, in a, in a lot of things, back to uh, you know, back to analog. Um, you know, vinyls back, cassette tapes are back, which yeah. is crazy. You know, because uh, I was always into that stuff. You know, I was into hi-fi and all the rest of it in yeah. the seventies and eighties. You know, I had, I had uh, you know racks of these hardware. Um, but it's weird that you look at the uh, so the hi-fi market. It's, it's an interesting one because it's all swung all the way back, and they're starting to review turntables again. And uh, they're looking at uh, um, you know group tests for for cassette players, which is which is absolutely weird. Um, but it, yeah, it's that's kind of how tech kind of comes and goes. Uh, but it's interesting that weird, isn't it? Because you kind of think of like the way that tech's going to evolve. You think it's always going to be about utility, and it's funny mm. how how it can have like aesthetic value for some people is very strange. Um, you kind of wouldn't think that those two things would go hand in hand. <laughs> I think you you build tech into your life, and that's always been something I've uh, I've always been very interested in. It's the you know the social impact of tech. What does that do to people? What does it give them? And yeah, what are the what are the risks? Uh, yeah, as well. Um, that's it's that's been an interesting thread all the way through the years as tech more tech has come along. But often yeah. those questions always come up again and again and again. What are the advantages for you and I? But also, what are the disadvantages? What, what do we need to pay attention to? You know, social media was the next last last big one, of course. But that came along. Everyone was having that conversation. What's that's great, fantastic. You can connect people together, you know, across the world. Yeah. But you know, what also, what are the you know, what's what's the downside as well? And um, I've often tried to explore that in the kind of stuff I've uh, I've written, looking at the advantages and the disadvantages of every piece of new tech, um, and what that's kind of does for you know, for society as a, as a whole. Um, the, yeah. And then. It, yeah, and of course, for businesses, of course, you know, if, if there's a, you know, a commercial aspect, of course, and that kind of thing, how can you use this technology in your in your business to uh, you know, to, uh, to improve your bottom line, also, ultimately? Yeah, yeah, completely. And, and I mean, I, I think especially with the internet, it's kind of one of those things. It's, I mean, I I remember when social media was first being rolled out, and I don't think anyone really could have could have predicted how it would have changed the world. In the way that it did. I mean, I remember when Facebook was was sort of like, you know, it was just, I think it started off just universities using it, didn't it? Was it Harvard That's University? Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever yeah. it was. Um, yeah. but nobody can ever predict, I think, how these things are going to change. And and I wonder if we can if we can sort of move towards SAS. Um, and sort of like, because I think that we were talking about how personal computing sort of put technology in the home. What impact has the SaaS industry had on it, do you think, um, in terms of um, how people use software, both in terms of in their personal use, but also in businesses? It's been it's been transformative. Um, pretty much every business is now looking at, um, I guess, what a SaaS strategy should be, in inverted commas. Yeah. Um, what does that what does that look like? Um, you know, the the you know, the cloud came along a few years ago. What does that mean? Uh, can we move applications? Can we move data to uh, you know to remote areas and then access it remotely? You know, that's that's you know, yeah. can we build that into our into our IT stack? What's that going to look like? Um, <clears throat> here we are, sort of post pandemic. Um, businesses are that I speak to in in a lot of cases, they sort of threw out their digital transformation roadmaps a couple of years ago and started again. You know, literally blank page. Where are we? Um, let's figure out what's what our business is today, what our, who our customers are, where yeah. our workforce is, all of these things. And interestingly, all of those things are kind of play into what SaaS kind of offers. It offers that that sort of remote third party at a distance where you can then use certain services. Um, that's that was kind of the conversations I was having with with business leaders. What probably two or three years ago. 
it's massively matured, uh, really, over a very, very short space of time. I think that's what surprised a lot of people in business, that how quickly these services have come onto their transformation roadmaps. Um, so I was looking at, I guess, what words, what would a SaaS, um, what, would, what, would the, what would the tech stack look like for, for, you know, for, for businesses? Mm. There's lots of different things, isn't there? Because you start looking at the subject matter. Um, then you start to talk about um, microservice architectures, for instance. Um, there's obviously AI is in the mix as well. Um, how do you do um, integration and interoperability with your services, your your hardware and, your, and also your software's tech stack? Um I see that a great deal. Serverless computing—that's that's come onto the onto the radar um, recently. Um, Containerization—that's been around for for a while. So that's that's two or three, four, five things in the mix that I think businesses are trying to get their head around. But the I guess the foundation is always going to be what your SaaS um, strategy looks like. How can you build all that stuff in? I'd even add in to low code, no code. That's uh, that's also a, a clear uh, a clear trend. So all that stuff is kind of in the mix, but so ultimately, that builds your SaaS profile. That builds whatever you feel is your SaaS strategy. That's what it is. Um, taking all of these different elements and kind of making it best spoke for you, because of course you know as well as I do that the I guess the cloud and SaaS and what that means for businesses is kind of well it depends who you are. One yeah. size does not fit all. The idea is it's flexible that you decide how you cherry pick these elements to create the you know the tech stack for you know, for, for your business. That's where the power is because you're not having to kind of strong arm your your IT into an inflexible space. When yeah. you're looking at SaaS, it's the opposite. It's it's flexible, um, and you decide how you create the best bulk services you want for your business. Absolutely, yeah. But so let's let's move into into the, the main topic then, because we've sort of started to touch on it there. Um, you mentioned that that obviously tech stacks are going to be different depending on the business, but are there any kind of general trends that you're starting to see in this in this industry, and and why do you think they're occurring? The, the, I guess the the key trend is. I, I see them doing trying to do uh, more with less. I think uh, every business um, kind of exploded their tech stack over over lockdown. They yeah. kind of had to do that. They had to because suddenly they had remote workers working from Lord knows where with a massive variety of uh, of hardware and software services. They were giving people this stuff to try and work with, and of course it all got a little bit out of hand. Um, mm. Particularly from a security perspective, you know, we must make this stuff secure. Obviously, the, some of our workers are connected to our networks and accessing uh, you know, highly sensitive information. So how do we do that? So we need to throw some security stuff at the wall, and hopefully that will give us the, the protection we uh, we need. A couple of years later, now we're out of lockdown, we're into uh, what's uh, kind of what's next scenario. Um, it does seem to me that what businesses are now trying to do is, okay, let's, let's remove that uh, that complexity as much as we can and that's kind of what what i'm seeing with a lot of the technology i just outlined is it's kind of that let's do a lot more with less let's make our tech stack more it's leaner it's more agile it's more flexible yes. ultimately more secure because you're dealing with less uh you know less uh, less it to to try and get your head around um and that's it. I see that as a clear trend. Let's look at how we can integrate this stuff together. Can yeah. we do several things with one tool so we don't have to buy several tools to do one thing? Um, how can we do that? Um, 
that's a definite trend, I think. And SaaS, of course, is again, it's it's central to that because a lot of the stuff I'm I'm sort of just outlined, it's absolute reliant on uh, I guess from our data access. Um, we're yeah. looking at that uh, a, a great deal at, at, at Silicon. How is that affecting? Um, I guess the hyperscalers. What what does that look like? They're they're still there, but again, you're seeing that collapsing to something more focused. Edge computing is massive at the moment. It's huge because a lot of businesses want to try and get a handle on what they're doing with IT, what they're doing with their connection, what they're doing with their SaaS systems, mm-hmm. and you kind of do that closer to home by, I guess, embracing what sort of edge computing and sort of edge data centers, you know, smaller. Uh, centers which can offer you best bulk services just for your business now more of a personalized service i guess um those kinds of things i think a lot of businesses are trying to do that and absolutely uh, SaaS is a central component of that uh, you know the driver yeah absolutely so so for businesses that are looking to scale then if you're talking about startups in particular mm. having a leaner tech stack we're talking about cost effectiveness aren't we Ultimately, yeah, it's a a fantastic time to be to be a startup. It really is. Um, A lot of the stuff that you you could do today, you simply could not do easily uh, just a few years ago. Um, You know, the amount of um, your services which are available out there, um, you can really build any kind of startup business you, you would like with this. Uh, I always use the analogy of Lego. Uh, you, know, you can take all of these services, um, whatever it may be, low-code, no-code, uh, artificial intelligence, um, how you enhance your security, can I containerization. Imagine all these, each one of those is a Lego brick, and then yeah. you just literally build whatever you need to build with these uh, yeah, with these, um, uh, with these components. Um, you know, I'm seeing that a great deal in e-commerce. Yeah, everyone's moving uh, to, uh, you know, to different systems. The monolith is kind of becoming a bit unwieldy so yeah they they're looking for easier ways of doing that and you're looking at composable architectures um to to actually build what's forward i think composable architecture is fantastic for for new startups because that's what you can do you can literally compose the architecture around your idea um by cherry picking the best bits and then literally building your new uh your tech stack to support your new business idea it's a fantastic time if you're if you are building a tech-based uh, startup today um you are really spot for choice with the tools in fact you could argue that you need some help to decide which tools you choose because there are so many uh, available but the fact is the tools are there yeah all competing does this connect in any way this is a topic that's come up a lot in our community with with sort of no no and low code Mm. Um, development as well. I know this is a subject that a lot of people are talking about now. I suppose it's, yeah, it, being able to, I guess, create this yourself, right, without the help of developers, without coding is, is a big component as well. Uh, I'd argue that uh, low-code, no-code, um, it's definitely uh, toward the low-code. Um, yeah. Yes, you you can build these things with uh, tools if you have very little knowledge of code. But eventually, you will come up come up against the code. Eventually, you will need some help at some point. Right. Usually, okay. because you'll need to to make some changes, you'll need some, some tweaks or, or whatever it is. I'm just going to pause you right there to tell you all about the future of SaaS membership. Whether you want to grab one of over 90 templates covering everything from product marketing to customer success, read our exclusive members-only articles with SaaS gurus from the likes of Calendly, Klarna, and LinkSquares, sit back and watch over 1,300 hours of presentations from SaaS experts to some of the world's most trusted brands, or catch up on insights gleaned from the future of SaaS and its 14 sister memberships and their private communities, our membership plans have it all. On top of this, enjoy complete access to our virtual events and discounts to our in-person summits. 
The membership plan is designed to give aspiring and fast-growing startup leaders the knowledge required to grasp every element of the SaaS landscape, tapping into tried and tested business-wide strategies employed by some of the biggest and brightest companies, both startups and enterprises. To become a member, just head over to www.futureofsas.io and click the membership button at the top of your screen. Now, back to the episode. So I wanted to go back to, I guess, the the flip side of what we were talking about. People want to make their startups, sorry, not their startups, but their tech stacks leaner, you said. So what is the, what is, what are some of the the common hurdles that people are encountering with their tech stacks then? If perhaps, you know, you've just got too much going on, what, what is the end result of that? I'm sorry if I'm asking a question that's too obvious, but I just think we need to spell out Perhaps what are the positives and negatives of this kind of thing? Well, the, the end result, of course, is um, it, it just ends up being tech bloat. And what you ha- end up with is your business ends up being um, literally handicapped. You you can't move forward because maybe certain parts of <clears throat> excuse me your tech stack, <clears throat> certain parts of your tech stack um, just don't work together. Um, interoperability is very important. Um, often I see businesses which are using um, you know, legacy systems which will not uh, or cannot talk to um, you know, newer systems that they want to uh, want to implement. So how do you how do you resolve that? Data is an interesting one as well because information is obviously uh, you know key to a lot of this conversation. You know, the more information you have, the uh, the better. How do you analyze that? And that's the important thing. A lot of businesses are handicapped by uh, you know siloed data sets. They have masses of data with no problems collecting the data. Where is it? Yeah. Um, is it yeah. is it accessible? Can you connect these silos together for some meaningful uh, analytics? Can yeah. you do that? If you can't, then that's something you really need to look at very carefully with your deck. Um, is that going to allow you to do that for? Because being able to analyze data, move that around, connect it with um, the other services uh, that you want to implement, you know, APIs, et cetera, that kind of thing. If you want to, again, build your new tech stack, data is kind of key to that. Um, so again, have a think about how you're doing that. Can you connect this together? If, if you can't, then that's kind of top of the agenda uh, because a, an integrated uh, tech stack is absolutely pivotal for everything you want to do, particularly for startups. You know, we're not talking about, say, two competing systems which can't talk to each other. You know, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, we saw that uh, in the early days of um, uh, customer services. Um, a lot of people were sat in customer services, not able to access basic customer information from their screen because that data was somewhere else and their screen could not access that. So the, you know, the customer experience wasn't very good. Um, a lot of businesses in that space learned from that. And now, of course, they connect different kinds of data sets about their customers together. So you have one place for, say, your customer services people to see all of that. And that is um, a massive advantage. But, of course, it makes the tech stack leaner and certainly more easy to, uh, to uh, I guess, enhance later on when new technology comes along. So have a look at that. Have a look at where your data is. Have a look at what your legacy systems look like. Then have a look at what you want to do in the future. What's on your roadmap? How are you going to develop your business? Can your tech stack do it? Is it possible? If it isn't, then you may have to make some small tweaks. And in some cases, you may have to make some radical changes to get you there. So this this issue, I'm interested in this issue of legacy systems in particular. Um, yeah. People have a sort of trusted piece of software that they know has yeah. so far as, you know, they know how to use it. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm introducing new software very often especially when it's years apart from the one you're currently using can create all kinds of issues can't it i mean and i wonder like what what is the what is the right way forward with that i mean because is it better 
to take the plunge and go with something newer that is more integratable into a modern tech stack, do you yes. think? Yes. Uh, I'd like to be able to say there's a, a very easy solution to that. But, of course, it's always going to be – depends who you are. Um, yeah. And, it, yeah, it, it always, it's always going to be that. Um, and first, first stage, of course, is um, don't run before you can walk. And what I mean by that is – Yes, you've seen some shiny new piece of software you think would be great for your business. But I'd argue and I'd advise stop. Have a have a step back and do your audit of what you've got at the moment. How does that work? Or mm. more importantly, how does it does it not work? Um, have a look at, as I say, legacy systems and particularly mission critical systems, which could also be legacy systems. How important are they to the uh, the running of your of your business? Have a look at that. Are they cool? Are mm. they are they still able to perform um, as you expect them to? Or is it the case that you want to do something else and that does not work for you? If it doesn't, then you may have to bite the bullet and then it is literally ranch, you know, at least root and branch. It's, it's, you're going to have to rip that out and start again. Yeah. A lot of businesses want to do that for obviously costs, it's particularly in the environment we're in at the moment. Um, that's, that's a very hard uh, sell for, for a lot of, a lot of businesses. Um, it may be that you're lucky and you can sort of tweak a few things. You can maybe uh, change a few systems here and there. Or you can look at connecting certain systems together which weren't connected together. Um, so your legacy is still there. It's still core to your business. Um, but I would say I'd always advise that. Try not to be too taken with uh, what's new and shiny. Then take a step back and have a good look at your core business. How does that operate? What tech is it using? What are the mission criticals that are mm. important for your business? Assess that first, and that will speak volumes then to you about what you can do next. It may be that you can then do an incremental change over time, which I think is what a lot of businesses would like to do. That's the ideal scenario. Make some small changes to your business, which give you the um, you know, the best bang for your buck, ultimately. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, if you have to change legacy and have to change some core systems, then you know, it's kind of, well, you're going to have to do that. Yes. If it stops you moving forward, you have no choice uh, because your legacy system simply won't do that. Um, I don't think you can patch this stuff. I don't think you can try and fudge it a little bit uh, because ultimately it will break or it will be unstable. And that's not what you want. You do not want an unstable tech stack. It needs to be stable. It needs to be available to uh, to yourself, to your, to your workers with, without any issues. So have a look at that in detail. Again, how fragile are these legacy systems? Are they fair? Very, very fragile. Then I'd argue that it's probably time for a change. That's great. Yeah. And, and speaking of, of stability, uh, I think security is, is we've touched on it a little bit, but this is obviously a top concern for many organizations. Yeah. Uh, how specifically are tech stacks addressing this? Is that, is that down to just again, being integratable? Does that, does that help with security or is it, um, what is it, what do you think is, are there any emerging technologies in particular that you think are, are going to enhance data protection? I think all businesses are trying to look for a silver bullet when it comes to security. Is there something we can buy off a shelf, bolt onto our systems, and we've done security, in the inverted commas. Yes. Um, and security is just not that uh, straightforward, unfortunately. Uh, it just isn't. Mm -hmm. um, mostly because the threat landscape is so diverse. Um, you, know, you could be in a business which is uh, highly targeted mm -hmm. across multiple channels. And you really need to protect yourself against all of that. You know, the threat actors will look at any potential uh, you know, chink in your armor, and they will exploit that. Um, and that could be anything. That could be stuff that's inside your organization. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, it, you know key tools which you use across your you know, your business. Uh, all the Microsoft suite tools, for instance, Teams, for instance, that kind of thing. Everyone uses those, so therefore they are a target. Clearly, of course they are. Um, Active Directory, a lot of work's going into that. Securing Active Directory uh, to make sure that uh, that is as secure as it uh, it possibly uh, possibly can be. Um, 
because in the hosting environment, um, a lot of the hosting services uh, they they do, um, and, and they, they certainly have evolved their their security to a point now where, uh, for for in some cases, you could argue that you know hosting systems are more secure than non-hosting systems. It's, it's absolutely possible. Um, but what I am seeing is that uh, the hybrid approach is, seems to be core to the most most businesses tech stack. They will have some on-prem. They will have some uh, some hosted. Um, a lot of the services will be obviously SaaS based as well. Um, mm. And how do you protect all of that? Um, well, you protect all of that with a, a sort of multifaceted approach to your security. That's what you do. Again, take a step back, have a look at maybe incidents that have happened to you over maybe the last year or so. Where are the hotspots? Are you seeing lots of uh, you know phishing attacks? And are those phishing attacks being focused on maybe your uh, marketing department, for instance? Why is that? Have a look at that. There are systems which will be able to highlight that for you. Why why is there an anomaly uh, anomaly there? Um, maybe it's something that is more sort of data based. Maybe it's something that is accessing your social media that way. Um, these kinds of questions you, you, you need to ask your, your business have a good look at what's happening once you understand that once you can see where i guess what your threat level is like then you can start thinking about tools then you can start thinking about okay yeah. we need to have a look at active directory there's literally something going on there we're getting a lot of incidents there what can we do to protect that um and that kind of gives you the roadmap to say, okay, let's look at that first. Let's, let's secure that um, because that's where uh, you know, most of our instances are happening. Then we'll look where, what else we, we have. And ultimately, what you end up creating is a, a kind of hybrid approach to security, depending on what your business feels is important uh, you know, for you. Um, what sector you're in, for instance, that kind of thing. Does compliance force you to do certain things? Or you know, that's that kind of thing. Um it's it's not an easy fix, unfortunately. It just isn't because it's a moving target, um, and that moving target is absolutely accelerating. Um, I guess we can't talk about security without thinking about AI, but we're really talking about sort of machine learning, aren't we? Um, you know, can you have a, I guess a almost like a CCTV camera looking at your business, but that's the AI keeping an eye on what's happening. Yes, you can. There are systems that can do that, um, and there are systems that that will even give you proactive analytics which you say well this has happened maybe to your business a lot so let's look at that and this might happen in the future so maybe you thought to think about security in this area of your business that that kind of thing um but ultimately it will be about securing these securing the data which is important to you yes. um but what i would would kind of close with the, the i guess with a, a conversation about uh, security um it's also the people. Um, you know, this is not just a hardware and software issue. Um, a lot of businesses are going big guns on creating um, you know, secure, secure cultures within a business. Um, it's literally yeah. that. So you and I do not click on a dodgy email. Do not open an attachment you're not expecting. Don't give away some, some password to some kind of um, uh, you know, social engineering attack, that kind of thing. You need to give your people that knowledge. So you know, training and education about security and what that means for your business. That's vital. Um, you can put any kind of security system AI on your business, but if someone just clicks on an email or an, uh, uh, yeah, an attachment uh, because they weren't security aware, they didn't have that culture within their business, then that's that's that security software you bought is useless because someone's uh, obviously let uh, let that uh, threat actor into your into your systems. So it goes hand in hand. Um, yes, absolutely, you can put systems in place, software and hardware. Um, but also have a look at the, the security culture within business. Uh, make sure your people are yeah security aware, uh, just so they they are they have the tools they need to to say to stay secure. Yeah, I've noticed there's a big generation gap actually. Yes, in terms absolutely. Of the, yes. the risk to 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 um 
yeah again just just scams and data hacking and all that kind of stuff you know it's um i've i've known especially in my life like personal life just people um elderly relatives who are falling victim to it a yep. lot you know to open those dodgy emails and it does seem like the younger generation is just more savvy to it like instinctively they can just kind of see the signs um that, 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 that's absolutely certainly more um more aware um, I think we, if yeah. we obviously we've been talking about startups a lot. If if uh, if you're filling your startups with uh, you know we've got young people uh, who are tech savvy, um, they yeah. they are they they do have a kind of inbuilt uh, level of uh, protection automatically. If, uh, it seems to me uh, because they are they have seen that in their personal lives and they bring that to your business. Um, yeah, they do yes. have a level of awareness which which is gold just for a business because you know the yes still do the training still do the education of course, but they do bring an element of um, you know security. Which is kind of innate. They they kind of have that already built in, because as you say, they've seen that in their private lives. They know what phishing attacks are. They know how ransomware works. Uh, that that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, again, uh, it's it's always a weird one when I have conversations about security. So well, yeah, but invite uh, you know people to around the table. Yes, IT of course uh, because it's there. But invite HR. Get HR in the room because they will probably be the people that will be you know developing and then delivering the kind of uh, security education across your business. So have them in the room. You know, they they are they have a valid uh, reason to be around that table when you're talking about security. That's really interesting, David. I, I've never actually heard anyone in SaaS talk about how, um, yeah, security, data security, cybersecurity is, is, is something that should be, uh, I guess, part of the learning development and development in, in within the company. You know, part of the again, again, I don't know if it's part of the onboarding or whatever, just part of the training process yeah. that you have in place. Absolutely, yeah, it, it is because because every yeah, the most sophisticated um, AI security system that you could bolt onto your onto your business is completely handicapped if if you don't have uh, a good security culture. It just is. Um, yeah. Because that AI does not stop me opening a dodgy email and uh, then clicking a link, which I really shouldn't have clicked, should I? Um, the AI won't, won't stop me doing that. It just won't. Because that's human behavior. Um, how you can move that forward and change human behavior. Well, you can. Um, and that's what, that's really where security culture comes in, comes into place. Um, it's more important even today because you know, a lot of remote, a lot of remote working going on. Um, it's it's very difficult to 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 do that. But if you have uh, have good education um, and a dispersed workforce, yeah, and uh, they're all working remotely, they're all working uh, you know at different times, etc. Maybe in different geographies, uh, you know, international companies, then yes. that's fine. If they have if they have the training, then that is a massive step forward uh, in your uh, uh, security stance. That's real. Yeah, it's great. Um, so let's let's move on to AI then, um, because this is obviously something we've mentioned it already. But it's going to be, it's going it, it's already been huge, but it's only going to get bigger, isn't it? So how yes. do we how do we envision that the, these kind of technologies? How are they going to be integrated into tech stacks? Are, are they going to touch every aspect of your tech stack? And what benefits are they really going to bring in particular that's unique to AI? Do you think? Well, AI, of course, is that's that's the sort of umbrella term, isn't it? Um, we yeah. say we're going to do AI, but really, what we we're talking about is machine learning. Um, how do we use um, a, a, an AI system to to give us um, uh, some information? Um, because ultimately, that's what it's about. That's that's why we want to bolt AI on to pretty much every every aspect of the business can benefit. Um, IT, obviously, especially. Um, 
I've already mentioned um, things like predictive analytics. Uh, that's uh, that's huge at the moment. Um, automation is still rapidly evolving. Um, but I think things like machine learning can do more interesting things for, for businesses. If you're looking at the tech stack, then it can be it can be a, a tool for I mean more personalization. So you, then you get really good um, you know, CX across your uh, across your business. Your customers mm -hmm. are going to love that. Your employers are going to love that as well because it's uh, I guess it personalizes systems uh, systems for them. Um, it ends up being a, a sort of helping helping hand. Um, more intelligent insights, of course. We talked uh, talked about yeah we 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 talk about the tech stack and its IT, but by you know, it touches every single area of your of your business. Uh, it does touch on customer services. It absolutely does touch on on, uh, on sort of HR. Um, it does touch on uh, IT itself and everything in between. Finance that's another area which I'll be using uh, machine learning massively. Um, and interestingly, all of those areas, of course, have a SaaS component. Every single one of them, um, they, they can all leverage you know, the power that SaaS brings them. Then you bolt on a machine learning tool, and that's an interesting mix then. But what I would say, again, just as I mentioned with security, is take a step back. Um, I know it's the new shiny tool everyone wants to use. Um, we, you know, we need to do AI. What do we do that? I'm sure boards are having that conversation as we speak. What are you going to use it for? What's it, what's it going to do for your, your business? Have a think about the end goal. Um, because AI machine learning, uh, it's, a, it's a tool just like everything else. So yes. why are you doing that? Um, what's what task do you want that to 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 mm. what's your goal? What's the end goal there? Where does machine learning bolt onto your your strategy, for instance? That kind of thing. Have a think about that. Um, because again, all things aren't the same. It, it, it depends on what system you want. How is it going to deliver the the uh, the uh, maybe the anomaly detection you want for for your security? How does that work for your for your business? Yeah, yeah. Have a good think about all of that because it is only a tool. Don't forget, it has to he has to fit with your existing tech stack, or it maybe the need to move to a machine learning tool could be the impetus to make some changes to your tech stack so you can use that tool um, that's an interesting one uh, that's um, ai is kind of driving how tech stacks are also changing and evolving um, because they want to use that tool they can see the power they can see there's a valid business case for it but we can't use that because it doesn't connect with our legacy so yeah. that gives the impetus then to change our legacy and move our tech stack uh, you know, forward. So we can use that tool. That's an interesting driver um, that I see in the marketplace. That's kind of almost machine learning tools are dragging uh, some companies' tech stacks uh, forward because they have to, because they can't yeah. connect with the data they need. For well, everyone's, everyone's terrified of being left behind, aren't they, with regards yeah, to Yeah, there, there, there is that, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I said, have a look at the goals. Take a step back, take a pause, take a breath. Have a think about what your strategic plan is for these tools. How does it fit into your business? It may be that you don't need to use them just yet. It may be you're doing fine, and AI machine learning, you don't need it yet. Uh, it may be it's just not sophisticated enough. It doesn't do what you need it to do um, because it isn't. Again, it's not a panacea. It's not a silver bullet. It's a tool, again. Um, and does that tool do what you need it to do? If it isn't, you may need to you know, take a step back for uh, for a while and wait for the, that tool or those tools to, uh, to develop. It may be that on your strategic roadmap that uh, using things like uh, machine learning, maybe a couple of years away. Um, and yeah, who knows what uh, um, uh, AI will look like in a couple of years time because it's, you know, it's exponential growth. You know, natural language uh, like chat GTP, that goes through massive change every day. Uh, so it may be that you embrace this technology in the, you know, in the future. Uh, it may be that you don't need to do it uh, you know, today. So, uh, I mean, are you skeptical then, um, David, about some of the fears 
that people have around AI. Um, uh, this this idea that uh, yeah, AI is going to be some kind of um, you know um, you know Terminator experience that kind of, that kind of, that kind of thing. yeah uh, um, yes um, I, I mean I've read that I read the open letter and I, I really thought really you know uh, have I got to worry about my AI enhanced toaster killing me or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, not really. No, um, I, I think there are issues, absolutely, and there are issues with I think AI when it butts up against humans, us, you know, people mm-hmm. like you know, That's kind of where I guess the 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 issues are when we're using uh, maybe autonomous AIs to make decisions about um, yeah, about us. Yeah. Um, say you were trying to get a loan from a bank or some nor insurance, etc. If you were using an AI to make those kinds of uh, so decisions without some checks and balances in place, that's worrying because that's impacting your know, human beings and their lives. Mm. Um, particularly if you're giving high levels of autonomy to to these systems, which is kind of where the worry is. That what do we do? Are we going to give uh, you know these kind of systems um, really free reign? And th- there are uh, reports. I, I think I, I wrote a piece recently where um, there 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 is an issue with uh, business leaders trying to make decisions, and they are increasingly uh, leaning on AIs to help them do that. Yeah. In a lot of cases, um, you know, uh, some some reports I've read uh, that some businesses are you know really removing themselves from from the, the decision making loop entirely and let the machine do the make the decision. Um, Oh, I'd have to look at that. Scary. <laughs> well, I'd have to look at that. I'd, I'd like that qualified. I'd like that put in context. What kind of decisions are they letting uh, you know, uh, an AI make for them? And has that decision been positive or negative you know, um, uh, in their business? What what's happened? Of course, reports don't do that. They just look at well, they've talked to a few business leads, and yes, I use an AI to make decisions, and sometimes completely autonomously. But they don't go any further than that. They don't qualify it. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see some qualification on on those um, on those kinds of comments. Uh, what are you using it for exactly? Um, but yes, I, I think as a tool, absolutely. I think as a, as a, a decision making tool, and I you know again I emphasise the word tool. Um, that's going to be in everyone's arsenal uh, from from today. Uh, absolutely. If you're not that's using not. an AI to help you make decisions, then I think you're probably missing a trick. But again. Have a think about what that AI is using for for data. Where's that coming from? Um, really have a think about the quality of that data. What its lineage is? Do you know that before you start to make decisions based on the information you're given? Um, because it kind of is. It, you know, it's garbage in, garbage out with these. It really is. So if you're going to use these systems for decision making, then um, do be a bit skeptical. Um, have a good look at these systems. How were they set up? Who set these up? Because bias and uh, you know, discrimination are very, very easy uh, to to trip into. Uh, maybe you you know, maybe you weren't intending to do that, um, but it's very, very easy to do that. Particularly again, uh, you know, I guess human facing systems. When you maybe using an AI to help you with uh, you know, recruitment, for instance, be very careful with that because you could miss some people that you really should have in your business, or so someone that could have really transformed your enterprise. But of course, the AI. Um, uh, filter that person out for whatever reason. So have a think about that. It's a case of garbage in, garbage out, I suppose, isn't it? With AI, always, always, yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's what what, all the more reason why it has to be carefully manned, I suppose, and controlled uh, and and used intentionally and thoughtfully. 
I think is probably the the question. In intention is uh, that's kind of a loaded word, isn't it? Really, is how how what, what's your intention to use this? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, we talked about security earlier, of course, but um, again, the intention of uh, your threat actors is to use AI for malicious purposes. Uh, yeah, that's their intention. That's their intention. Uh, that's what it is. Um, so yes, if you are going to go down that route, um, and I, I think AI is is it's in its infancy at the moment. Uh, I think Chat GPT, um, on the face of it, looks very intelligent. It's amazing what it can do do for you. Um, but it's still it's still in its infancy. You know, we it's it's still got a long long way to go yet, uh, and it's going to be very very interesting to see how those uh, those kinds of systems evolve over time. Um, I think for me, it's it's how that then bolts onto businesses. How businesses can then leverage that for yeah, for advantage. Um, again, looking at massive data sets, um, looking at innovation, um, really telling us should we go down this route? How can we better support our, our customers with maybe more personalization because we're using the, these kinds of systems? It's it's a heady mix, and I can see why a lot of business leaders are. Um, you know, confused and uh, you know concerned should we do should we jump should we use this should we use this i think yes you 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 kind of should use it um but you use it with with a lot of qualification there think about you know how how you're going to use that in your business um and put the checks and balances in place absolutely if you do that then i think you're pretty safe you can then use these systems you know safely and it will give you a business advantage but um you know do be a little bit skeptical about um I guess some of the vendors out there might say you can do this for you, do this for you. Well, can it? Let, let's have a look at some some actual qualification there before we actually start to to use these systems, uh, yeah, for real. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think that's a great bit of advice. Could just to round this off, then, David, um, let's 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 sum it up. So, are there three pieces? Like, I want you don't have to stick with three, but let's just for argument's sake, stick with three. What would be the key pieces of advice that you would give? to uh, a SaaS organization or startup if they're what are the best practices and, and the sort of main considerations that you keep in mind when looking to build out their SaaS tech stack or optimize it I think if you're in the SaaS space um it's it's first one of course is always listen to your customers now what are they telling you um where how are their businesses evolving and changing what other tools are they using um but if you understand that, if you understand what your ultimately your customer base is, what's what are their challenges? What are their um, you know, issues? What are they trying to resolve? Yes. Um, that will put you in a very good position for developing your your own systems and services uh, yeah. to meet those needs, because ultimately that's what they're coming to you for. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of the services can. I, I guess it's there's a little bit of homogeneity going on. They're are they all the same? Well. They offer very similar services, so that's your chance to differentiate, isn't it? If you spend a lot of time speaking to your customer base, uh, understanding their challenges and what the issues are, um, that's how you differentiate yourself in the marketplace um, yep. by meeting those challenges with innovation. Um, if you don't do that, then you are just going to get lost in the crowd, aren't you? It's, it's just you end up being a commodity, and that's not what you want to be. You do not want to be the best kept secret uh, in the SaaS community. You don't want to be um, uh, just like everyone else. Uh, you know, differentiation in these marketplaces uh, is key. Yes. And that's where, innov that's where innovation comes in. If you can innovate at speed, keep an eye on how your customers are moving forward their business, the, the, the landscape that they're trying to uh, you know, to address. New startups, of course, again, um, are they are they looking to unseat uh, incumbents? That's, a, that's always a very interesting one to get involved with. Can you connect with these businesses and help them do that? Um, yeah. 
that's that's an interesting one as well. I guess from a from a from a, a purely tech side, the the usual ones are going to be, um, I guess, always on your roadmap, and that's again, it's security, it's looking at um, service um, acquisition if you need to do that. Um, it it has to has to work. Um, a lot of businesses want to reliability. Again, look at that. Is your own tech stack um, uh, solid? If there are any chinks there, are there any any instability? Fix that because businesses want to, to part with businesses which are um, they are solid. They they don't want to have issues with uh, you know wonky wonky tech. Don't want that um, at all. I think ultimately the I guess the the final uh, uh, you know, piece of advice is can you do all of that sustainably? Um, yes. Sustainability is is massive at the moment. Um, you know, businesses, brands, they are looking to partner with uh, service providers which have very, very good sustainability credentials. And that's a differentiator in the marketplace, hugely. And that could be everything from literally buying some new phones for their people all the way through to buying um, your large chunks of SaaS, uh, SaaS compute. If that's the case, then um, have a look at how your sustainability credentials look. Because uh, again, that is going to be a differentiator in the marketplace. Businesses simply will not partner these days with anyone that doesn't have very, very good ESG. So if you have good ESG, you are instantly head and shoulders above a lot of other businesses. So have a look at that as well, because you need to do all of this within a very, very um uh, sustainable environment and also you need to be able to show that um you know greenwashing hasn't gone away um show your customer base how you can do good sustainability let's look at the metrics because it's no good just saying we are a sustainable business we are a, we are a sustainable SaaS service i want to know how you know that show me the metrics show me the data um and that again is a massive differentiator that will ultimately um make sure that you are um kind of a I guess the go-to business in in your particular sort of SaaS environment. If you can do all of those things, that's great. So thanks so much, David, um, for joining us today. I think this has been a really, really, really insightful discussion and very far-reaching. Um, if people want to reach out to you, want to find out more insights, um, how can they contact you? How can they find you? Yes, uh, if you uh, go to um, silicon.co.uk. Um, you can see uh, there's a contacts page on there. You can reach me, um, say I'm the editor. So you'll be able to find my contact details uh, on there. Um, you can drop me a, a mail um, straight through there if you um, want to uh, sort of pick up anything uh, anything today. Um, other than that, uh, you can uh, contact me through NetMedia as well. Um, uh, it's uh, Again, there's contact details all over the silicon.co.uk website. That's great. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me. I thought that was a that was a great uh, a great chat. Um, so, um, pop speak to you soon. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of SaaScast. Please join us next time for more top insights from the leading minds in SaaS.